Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. We are back. We're trying to keep it to our every other week. Um, it has been musical chaos around here. Oh, my goodness. I never realized that having my daughter in the high school musical as a background shrub slash Oompa Loompa slash townsperson slash I don't know what else she is would take so much of my time and money ironically I know she needs to get a job and learn how to drive (laughs) that is true but I'm actually afraid to have her drive so there there is that (laughs) yeah that's true that'd be terrifying terrifying. absolutely terrifying uh so it's spring is just around the corner. We've entered a new month. So many exciting things are happening, but none more exciting than reaching our top 10 games from our top 100 of all time. And it's only taken six months. <laughs> I know. It's taken forever. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, so since that is the case, we will forge forward to get uh, to the top 10. So we'll start with some news. Um, and I, I will completely honest, my news comes directly from my correspondent in the field, Fan Zero, Mike. Um, because, man, I don't know. Kickstarter, every time I get on there, it just makes me angry. Like, I get mad about the dumb projects. I... I just, I don't know, but there, there's still, there's still are some good stuff out there, and also people are allowed to like bad games and purchase them if they want to. But these two that I want to talk about, I don't think they're bad. I think they look pretty good. And the first one is called Everstone: Discovering Ignis. Um, so this is an action selection, worker placement, engine building kind of game. So. You're working to move up a reputation track, um, which I don't know that I don't love that because you're you're mo- trying to move up this reputation track. The first one to reach 10 starts in the game, which I guess that's just the end game trigger. So it's not like you reach, reach 10 and then win. But in this game, you're moving around and you're finding and collecting broken relics. And so they kind of go into you've got this personal workshop that you're working with and you've got to go around and get resources to repair the relics of course so and it's it's got a nice little finite resource storage so you want to definitely get the resources you're going to work with what you have you got to get your workshop together um once you repair a relic you can either keep it or sell it Um, when you keep them they kind of add to actions that you can do but if you sell a relic you can get the immediate reward so i kind of like the idea of is it worth more to me in my workshop or do I want what it provides? Uh, so then you can also, you know, update your workshop there and um, putting relics in there is great, except they cover up some actions in your workshop. So I, I just think that's really interesting. Like I like that idea. The theme is kind of whatever. I, it didn't super draw me in, but the art is pretty, pretty cool um and i like a good action selection kind of hand management worker placement type game always this is definitely a very euro looking game so if you like those kind of games um definitely check out everstone discovering ignis this is on kickstarter and once this podcast drops it'll be maybe about 10 days and the base game is 59 bucks yeah, so looking at this game, the art feels like Andrew Bosley of Everdell, and I thought since Ever was in the title, maybe they tagged <laughs> him in, you know, kind of tying them together. But one thing they I do, not. they did not. One thing I do like is it seems like a lot of games coming out are doing a bunch of combos, like from turn one. Like White mm-hmm. Castle kind of made this this popular, like recently, where you know from turn one you're doing something, you're doing nineteen other things. So I, I think that's fun. It makes you feel like no matter what you do, every action feels fun. And it seems like this mm-hmm. one kind of has that going on, and I, I'm kind of into that. Yeah, there's like a, you can get some like chaining actions chained together, which I think is really cool. Um, 
it looks like there's a lot of different like the relics that you're collecting. I think they said there's like 70 over 75 different ones. So I always find that really interesting to keep seeing different types of games. And they also have um, a solo player designed mode, um, which I think is is cool because I know we have a lot of people who play solo. Um, yeah. So I at first I was like, I don't know, but I think it looks pretty good. So that's Everstone Discovering Ignis. My second game, I don't, it seems like there's a lot of discovery or something going on here. This is from Lord Raccoon Games. Apparently, they've created other games that I don't know anything about, which is fun. I'm going to look them up. I know. Um, but this game that they have out right now on Kickstarter is called Forge Flame. Um, Forge Flame is like, it's deck building and what do they call it? They've got, they had a, like some interesting, they've got some minis. So, you know, uh, that's always going to get people involved. But, <laughs> but these minis are cool because they can actually carry resources. So in some ways it reminds me of the ships that are in Black Fleet, which I really love. Um, but these are little miniatures that carry these little gems. So deck building and pick up and forge. So not pick up and deliver, but pick up and forge. Um, and you each, you kind of make your own team of adventurers. They're going around. Um, and there are these cute little minis that can carry stuff. So you can either draft them or I think choose them. There's like nine adventure minis it comes with. But um, a bunch of different adventure cards. Um, and then there's also artifacts in this one, but instead of repairing them, you are foraging them. So you have to get the resources you need to forge, um, the different artifacts that are around there. So you assemble your team, you send your team out looking around for ores and hidden treasures, um, so that you're getting resources, points, there's little kobolds that do things and have little traps, um, so it's not just straightforward, like action selection, grab crap. Um, you get your pressure, your, your ores and stuff that your little people carry around. You forge your artifacts with those things. Um, some artifacts are in sets that can give you more points that way. Um, and the game actually ends when a player forges four artifacts, which I'm like, gosh, that seems awful quick, but I think at the beginning, it's probably very difficult. Once you get going, it comes a little faster. So your own team of ventures, if you can kind of get them in certain areas, they can work together um, to kind of combo what they can do, which I think is cool. And then at the end of the round, you can you upgrade your deck by choosing um, one of like three available cards. So the cards also can help get combos together, help you um, craft some artifacts. It's got some like really cute little art, like very fantasy, but like cartoon fantasy, um, but like super cute. I just think it looks really fun. So that is Forge Flame. Um, there are about 10 days left also on that Kickstarter campaign by the time this episode drops. And it is $54 for the base game. So I looked up Last Raccoon, or Lord Raccoon, whatever it is. Lord Raccoon. And the other games they have are The Last Bottle of Rum, Taverns and Dragons, and then The Last Bottle of Rum Expansion. Oh, okay. 6,200 is, the, or 6,500 is their highest ranked game, and that's The Last Bottle of Rum. Hmm. Looks okay. cool. I mean, the art, it looks just like Forge Flame, so. Yeah, I, I do like that art style. I think it's pretty cute. Um, so just, yeah, two little interesting games out on Kickstarter. And that is what I have for news. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about a few games that we played. Uh, we played some new ones. We played a decent amount of games. We've been playing with Katie's cousin and her husband on Sundays, most weeks. Um, and, yeah, let's just stop laboring and go on. So the first game we're going to talk about, I actually got in a trade from... Tim at the board game rundown and it is called Histrio. And this is a game about putting on a play for the king, but the king is fickle and he can't make up his mind if he wants a comma or a tragedy or a comedy, I guess would be the proper Shakespearean terms. 
Um, and what you're doing or is dramatic you are, terms, period. <laughs> okay, yeah, fine. Uh, so what you're doing is you are playing, uh, you're picking a card from your hand that's going to go to one of these different eight locations. And you're trying to go to these locations to get cards. The cards are going to be actors that are going to help you um, put on the play that the king wants by moving the needle in that direction. Or there's going to be some kind of acrobats, which are going to be special characters that are going to help you do other things. So everybody's going to pick. You're going to flip. You're going to send your little your little uh, airship to the location. If you go there by yourself, you get all the cards that are there. If you go there with other people, all the cards go away, and you get a consolation prize. So you're trying to do the outthinking your opponent. You're trying to get cards to help you sway the king in your favor or make the play more in that direction. Then once all the cards are gone, people are going to determine if they've put on the if they have enough cards to, that match the king's uh, mood. They're going to score some points. If they've done it the best, they're going to get extra points, and then you're going to keep doing it again through a second time. Uh, it's pretty fun. We played it wrong. I read the rules wrong. Um, I don't think it changed it along. It just made the game longer. Um, but yeah, I would like to try it again, playing the actual rules where cards stay out there and they keep stacking up, which will be fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. I like simultaneous action. I kind of fumbled the way through the rules because the rules are not great, but I have done a video and I know it a little bit better now. So if we ever want to play it again, I'll be good. So how did you feel about this game? At first I was like, what? This is really not, the art is real bad. Um, so something about the way it looked, I was like, woof. Oh, I, think it looks, I think it looks good. Oh my gosh. Once we started playing, like anyone's going to trust your judgment. That's, that's true. <laughs> Once we started playing it, I felt like it made, it, it was a lot better than I thought. Yeah. Cause I do like that out thinking, what are you going to play? And then it's also a benefit. Like I don't want to get the same thing as you but i guess if i do then you don't because maybe i have a card because there are cool cards that give you special powers and um i think play with the right rules it'll be even better i, I did think there was yeah like not like event cards almost but there were cards that allowed you to break the rules and do something a little bit different uh which i think made the game really interesting uh it's definitely unlike anything really I've played before. I mean, yeah, there are some things that are a little bit similar, but um, I would definitely play it again. Like, I, I, I think I would welcome another chance to play it, and then I'll make my final judgment on if it deserves regular rotation or not. Yeah, playing it correctly will help. It'll make some of the spaces a little more interesting. The towns, if they have five cards there, might be a little more exciting to go to. Right. So cautiously optimistic. <laughs> That's where I sit on this game. Yeah, it has some cool bits, though, like the little spaceships or spaceships, airships are cool. And the unnecessary king stage is pretty fun, too. But yeah, yeah, I like it. All right. So the next game we played that we're going to talk about is um, kind of like a 2.0 version of Raccoon Tycoon. And this is Lizard Wizard. So this is from Forbidden Games. I think it's Glendrover as the designer. And this is effectively a game where... You're trying to get wizards that are all these, like, animals, creatures, lizards, I guess. And you're trying to get towers to put these wizards in. And you're trying to match icons. And the way that it's done is through some auction. You're going to auction for wizards. You're going to spend resources to buy towers. You're going to be able to get familiars. You're going to be able to get spells by using... You're going to be able to buy those as well. But there's a cool little, like... Um, economy of when you're getting resources you, you play cards you can pick up resources that you're going to be using reagents or whatever they're called and then as you get these goods it's going to then make some of the other goods go up in value so one of the things you can do in your turn is you can sell goods when you sell goods they're going to go down in value so it's a, a give and take of when am I going to get goods when am I going to sell them because you need the money from the goods to be able to buy wizards all that kind of thing and you're just trying to get wizards trying to get towers match symbols to score a pile of points that's it and you're going to do that until I think one of the decks runs out. This is a really fun game. It has cool art. It has some unnecessary bits. The first player marker is unnecessarily huge. And there are these three like tower minis that just go on the board when somebody claims a goal. Completely unnecessary, but they look cool. But the game is really fun. It's really simple. But it, there's a lot of decisions and some interaction with the auctions. and It's, it's just a fun game. So, 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was my second time playing, and I had a good time. So how do you feel about Lizard Wizard this time? Yeah, this was in my top 100, maybe? I can't Could remember. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was pretty high because I remember really enjoying it. Um, and then we played this again. It was no exception. I'm like, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff you're really trying to get at. And the auction piece is frustrating, but also... Um, part of the gameplay strategic uh just lots again multiple paths to victory like i think several of us kind of did some different things um like thinking about in-game points is always where i like to go uh but there are lots of different things like different ways to do that and sometimes it's luck of the draw and sometimes it's okay how do i get money so that i'm prepared to get what i really want um yeah it's it's good it's it's a it's what yes, it's what I like in a game. I was not disappointed. Yeah, I think my only issue with it was it feels a little long. That's true. That's true. But outside of that, I like everything about this game. It's just a little long, but that's not necessarily a problem. I had fun the whole time. But if you're gonna play it, it might feel a little long, at least at four. We were like interrupted kind of during it several times, and when you learn it for the first time, you're like, okay, what do I need to do again? Like. It, some of the decision making can can make it take a little bit longer. So I think maybe if you played it again with the same people, um, it might go quicker, even with four. Yeah, that's probably true. All right, so the last game we're going to talk about is a game that Katie's been wanting to play for a while, and I got yes. it off the shelf, and we played it, and it is Santa Monica. We, I, we played this a ton of times, uh, but we introduced it to Katie's cousin and her husband, and if you don't know what Santa Monica is, it is from AG, and it's a game where you are basically building a beachfront and a boardwalk by drafting cards from this the center of the table. There's two rows of cards you can draft from the front. There are some additional ways that you can spend sand dollars to break some of those rules, but the general flow is you can draft a card from the front, and then if it's a boardwalk, it goes in the bottom of your tableau in front of you. If it's the beach, it goes in the top of your tableau in front of you. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get cards that work together to score points by connecting different symbols. And you're trying to get these people that are going to come on the cards as VIPs, locals, and tourists. And you're trying to get those on to, to come into your, your tableau and then be able to move them around to get them to different spaces on the board. Like some cards may have two people flying kites. So you need to get two meeples from where they were over there to fly some kites to score some points. And then once you have so many cards in your tableau, I think 14, the game ends. There's a whole bunch of ways to score points, and that's it. Uh, that's the game. Um, so I didn't. I realized this time that it's really hard to move your people around, and it was frustrating me. Uh, I haven't ever felt like that before playing this game. I've always felt like I could do whatever I wanted to, but mm. it wasn't the case this time. I felt like I had so many people. All the cards that were coming up were just more people and no place to put them. Couldn't get any movement. Couldn't get any um, sand dollars to be able to use those special abilities. I just felt I, I felt frustrated this time. And I know that's not how the game always works, but it just felt that way this time. So I didn't love this play. I mean, I still like the game, but I didn't love it this time. Um, but I think that's just part of my fault for playing in the way I did. But uh, So yeah, how do you feel about this this game this time um i feel like every time we've talked when we play this game you have said gosh i can't move these people so i think it's just your memory is bad i guess um, i just don't remember it being as frustrating as it was this time it it always is um and maybe part of it was the types of sand dollar actions i chose maybe i chose poorly and i should have chose some other ones that weren't i, I don't know but I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't use those anyway, so it didn't matter. Well, yeah, I don't know. You made some questionable choices, in my opinion. Per <laughs> uh, I, again, really like this game. Like, it reminded me, I'm like, yeah, this game is so good. It's like, yes, you want to move people around, and so sometimes that can be frustrating. But for me, this is still just, like, such a chill game. Like... The colors, I just really love the color choices. And it's like, yeah, I want to move these people, but it's like, I want to move them because they need to go play, you know, cornhole over here on the beach. Like, it just, it just makes me happy. I just really like it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it definitely stood up still for me. And I think it was actually in my last podcast episodes. 
list, so it's high. Um, and I, I don't, I don't regret it. I don't regret its placement. I will say next time we play it, though, we're going to use that expansion because that expansion does sound pretty interesting. Yeah, we have this expansion. What the long weekend? I think. Yeah, yeah, the long weekend. Um, it's got some really cool events and different types of cards. I, I, and it's not a ton. Just a, and there's a one page like here. Just add this in. So I think it's it seems pretty good. So I, yeah, I definitely want to do that too for sure. All right. Well, those are some games that we played, and we will finally, finally, after six months, move on to finishing our top one hundred. It is the final countdown. We are finally at our top 10 games. As we mentioned before, these are not going to come as a big shock to you. There's a few that I'm, I thought, oh, that's interesting that that made it that high. But I don't disagree. Like, I just really don't disagree with the placement of, of these games. Like, I just looking at them on the page and like, yeah, dude, why aren't we playing these right now? Um, so without further ado, Jason is going to give us his number 10. Yeah. So I was looking when I was typing my number, my top 10 out today, I have some shakeups in my 10. Uh, and I think number 10 actually is new to the the 10s. I haven't done any research on this, so who knows, but <laughs> um, my number 10 is by far my favorite kids table board game. Cause it's the only one in my top 10. And it is Rec Raiders. Um, I've been a fan of this one ever since we got it. It's a game about sending these scuba divers down into the ocean, picking up artifacts, and collecting fish to make aquariums. That's kind of the gist. You put a person out on the board, you're collecting some artifacts, you're trying to put on different displays of colored artifacts, put them in your vault to look at them to score points, and collect fish to make an aquarium. That's it. It's a race to be the first player to do like five or those, five goals or something. And then after that is all said and done, whoever, whoever has the most points is the winner. There is some actually player interaction because when you place next to somebody, other people get the goods of the color that you're getting. So there is some kind of, you know, I may want to strategically place myself somewhere so I can make it no matter where you go, you're going to give me something. So that is pretty cool. And you're rolling dice in the box lid, which is pretty fun too. It's got great components, great art, and by far my favorite kids' table board game. And that is why it's my number 10, Rec Raiders. Okay. I actually pulled up my number, my top 100 from last year just to do a comparison. Um, yeah, I didn't do that. I'm not going to do that. But the problem is, like, I don't know where some of these ended up that were on my top 10 last year. Um, there's a few a few that have fallen from grace. But uh, a couple are same. My number 10 is new to, the, to my top 10. Uh, the more I play it, the more I like it. I feel like some people were like crapping on this or something. Oh, no, it's just Dan. He's not a real person. No, it actually wasn't Dan. I'm not going to support Dan. It was Mike. Rice? Yeah. Dan was not crapping on it. Are you sure? He might have, but Mike was the I big I swear I heard him say complainer. it's the same thing over and over again. I swear it was Dan. All right. Well, we'll say it's Dan, but it is Mike as well. I know Mike for sure. All right, board game rundown. I'm calling you out because y'all are wrong. This game is good. That's why it's my number 10. And that is Merchants of the Dark Road. Merchants of the Dark Road, you have a caravan. You're going around um, getting contracts, getting items um, from the market, getting peeps to get on your caravan so you can drop them off at destinations and um, sell products destinations to get points and money. Um, and they are not the same because whichever you have the least of at the end of the game, that is what your score is. So you're trying to keep them as close as possible um, and also high. But it's there's just really interesting because you want to do things other people's turns so when other people go um, traveling on the dark road. You're like, yeah, let's jump in there. Um, 
so just really making the most of when other people will go traveling to to make deliveries you want to try and get on that but you also need to be doing the things to get stuff so that you can do that otherwise you're just hoping to pick up something nice on the traveling of the dark road um I d it's just good we are slowly upgrading all the components to this because the upgrade components are awesome um, rolling the dice, using the dice to determine how far your wagon's going to move to what spot you're going to go to take the action there on the board. It's it's just such it's such a good game, and I don't understand what's wrong with people who don't think it is. So, number ten, Merchants of the Dark Road. Yeah, last time we played this, it was good. I do I yeah. do enjoy this one quite a bit. Yes. All right, so. My number nine, and I'm going to say this right now, if I don't play, this is a VTAL game, if I don't play any VTAL games this year, he's no longer going to be in my top ten. What? I feel like if I don't play the games, they can't be in my top ten. So I'm going to try to be better about that to make it, you know, my list more legit. At least the top ten. The top ten's the legit right. part. But my number... <laughs> the rest is completely made up, but that top ten should be quality. That's true. It should be. But anyway, my number nine is a Vitalo Cerda game, and it is called Vinos. And this is a this... game about... No, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say, this is your favorite Vitalo game, and then I looked at the list, and I was like, okay, never mind. No, this is not... Yeah, not not, not my favorite one. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So this is about running a vineyard. You are planting different types of grapes, and you're making different types of wine, and then you're selling the wine in a wine fair, which is the weirdest part of the game. But it's a little worker placement, kind of a worker movement game where you're picking one of these nine actions. Every action that you pick is going to fire off 19 other things that you can do. They're all interlocked together where they don't seem like they go together, but they really do. Uh, you're never going to have enough money, so you got to go visit the bank to get out money. You can take loans. Every good Euro game needs loans. And you're just trying to be the best vintner. Is that what it is? Vineyard maker, vineyard runner that you can be, make the best wine that you can make and score a lot of points. So that's it. It's a, it's a great game. Um, I just, I never want to teach it. It's kind of a pain in the butt to teach like a lot of these heavier Euro games, but if someone knows how to play it, I'll gladly play it with you and we need to play it this year or it's out of my top 10. And that is my number nine Vinos. I do like this game. It at first, the first play, oh boy! But we've played a couple times since then. I'm like, yeah, this is this is good stuff. I'm a fan. Um, yeah, we should play it. My number nine. Speaking of taking out loans, is <laughs> the this guy is the king of loans. Yes, this is um, a Marty Wallace game. My favorite of the two that I actually think are worth anything. And that's London. Man, London. Um, I actually really, we like, we have the older version, which I like so much better. So in the older version of London, you not only are playing a tableau of cards out in front of you, um, but you're also like, you can place things out on, on the map of London um, which helps you get rid of your poverty. Poverty happens when you run the engine that is your city. And it's just a really interesting like balance of, I want to get these buildings out because they're going to give me things, but they're also going to produce poverty. So if my engine can also take away poverty, that's going to help because the person um, at the end who has the least poverty, you're going to lose like the least amount of points. You're also collecting points for money and stuff throughout the game. Um, it is ugly. It is ugly, ugly, ugly. It's Martin Wallace. Of course, it's hideous. Um, but it's like the least truly economic of his games. And thankfully, you're not like moving crap around on a train line this time. Like, it's just a really great puzzle of how do I make this tableau work the most efficiently? And I, I just, I just really, really like this game. We haven't played it for a while, which is sad, but I know it's so good because I'm running my thing. You can run your thing how you want to do it. We'll work it out in the end. Like 
Yes, this game is so good. So my number nine, London. We got to be careful talking about Martin Wallace. Somebody will pop into our YouTube channel and start ragging on us for talking about things in which we do not I know. I said I love this game. If a Marty <laughs> Wallace game is in my top 10, you better believe I like Martin Wallace. You can come at me all you want. <laughs> you don't have a leg to stand on. Oh, uh, that guy. That's funny. Oh, uh, Bless his heart, sweet summer child. Mm-hmm. I, I told, I commented, I was like, dude, if you listen to our podcast at all, you know how much I love Martin Wallace. So uh, let's stand down. Let's stand down. Uh, but yeah, anyway, everyone's, everyone's tough on the internet. Yeah, they are. That's true. Especially somebody right. with somebody with his name had like nineteen numbers at the end. Clearly, you're a <laughs> troll. I had, right. Yeah, I just don't care enough. Yeah. Well, we get like so few comments that when we do, it's like, <laughs> oh, hey, I got a comment. <laughs> So my number eight is a game we've had for a long time. I've played it on Board Game Arena a couple times this year, so I'm okay with it being on my uh, my top ten. And it is Orleans. And this is a game where you're basically pulling these different workers out of a bag. There's four or five different types of workers. And based on the workers that you pull out, you're going to assign them to different actions on your player board to be able to do certain things. You're trying to move up on tracks. You're trying to recruit more workers. You're trying to move around the map to go build buildings in different locations and pick up resources and different types of goods that you can sell later. whole bunch of stuff to do. Um, not enough time to do it. And then there's events that show up and will slap you around occasionally. And it's just, it, it's good. It's not a looker. It's Clemens Franz. Bless his heart. But Hey, uh, hey don't talk to my boy like that. <laughs> it is a fantastic game. And if you're a fan of pulling items out of a bag and a little bit of randomness, because it has a lot of randomness because the tiles that flip in the events and getting stuff out of your bag, and uh, tons of decisions. I think you should check this one out. It's very fun and a good time. So my number eight is Orléans. Yeah, I feel like I had to have talked about this not too long ago because I do really like Orléans. Um, my number eight has been steadily moving up. Um, it was in my top. It was number 25 last year. But I just love the idea I just I just love making a tableau work. And that is what Hadara is all about. So my number eight Hadara, this is like the theme is civilization building, but it is not a civ game. Um, but it is super fun where you're drafting cards um, to get these different kinds of resources, which are different. Like, um, what do I call it? Like, uh, characteristics i guess of your civilization uh so you're kind of balancing that um with like do i have enough money to actually buy this do i have enough food to actually pay for all these cards how do i get all this to work out um while you're trying to gain points um money is so so stinking tight in this um but it's just a really great like balancing act again multiples to victory that's the key to almost every single one of my top 10 games. Like you can just go all in on like, let's say military force. Okay, great. And try to make the most points you can out of that. Or you can try to balance all the different four factors. Like there's just lots of different ways to do this. Um, yeah. It just is so good. So my number eight, Hadara. Yeah, it's a good one. I've been playing this a lot on Board Game Arena too. And it's probably going to move up some next year for me as well. My number seven is a really awesome game that it's this guy's only game and he loves it. It's like it's baby and it's called obsession. And, um, this is a game about, I don't know. What's that stupid show? Downton Abbey. It's like Downton Abbey themed. I couldn't think of words. So stupid came out. Uh, it's Downton Abbey themed ish where you are a wealthy family and, you have fancy people coming over to do events, have meals, um, do a lot of crazy things at your house, your manor, your estate, and you're estate. just trying to score as many points as you can. But your workers that you're using, you're going to have to use workers to play these cards. You're going to have butlers. You're going to have footmen. You're going to have um, what's the, lady maids. And you're going to be using them. <laughs> yeah, la- ladies maids. Yes, I, <laughs> I know what color... <laughs> 
I know what colors the meeples are. That's all I know. Uh, so when you play a card, you also have to play uh, servants to go along with it. But your servants get tired, so that if when you play them, you're not going to have them for a few rounds until they you know rest up and all that stuff. So you're trying to pick a tile. You're trying to do the best you can with your cards. Eventually, you're going to pick up all your cards because you're going to run out. There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of ways to score points, a lot of stuff to do. As your estate grows, you have tons of tiles that you can pick for your actions. You can have sometimes 25, 30 cards of family members in your hand. It's crazy, but it is a good time. Lots of stuff going on. We have the expansion, too, which adds even more cards, more stuff, more servants, and Mm -hmm. more fun. So there you go. My number seven, Obsession. Yeah. I am slightly more obsessed with this game than you. More later. My number seven is a game that we also don't play very often. But every time I do get out, I'm like, yeah, this game rocks. And that's Newton. There's so many things going on in Newton. Um, I don't understand the theme at all. It's I think there's a picture of Newton's face on there one time or you can get a card or something. Yeah, there's there's some theme going on with some stuff in some books. Yeah. It's just really, really not. So again, I love this because it's multiple paths to victory. Um, you are, you can do lots of different things. You can move around this map, go to these different places, um, and leave like, like visit them. So you leave stuff behind. Um, you can unlock and books in your library. You can't. I mean, there's just so many different things that you can do in this game which is so great like how like how the cards work and come out for you um what path makes the most sense to you like i i don't understand the theming at all but it's just such a good game i think it is kind of difficult to teach because there's all these different segments and sections but um i really like it it's my number seven newton yeah, as far as Italians games go, this is a harder one to teach for sure. For sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. All right, so my number six was my number one last year, and I'll admit that may have been a little high, but <laughs> like it I was I was really into it last year. I mean I still like it, but it's fallen down to a more reasonable spot. And that is Wonderland's War. Uh this is a game where you're taking on a character, taking on the role of a character from the Alice in Wonderland story, and you're trying to basically win battles, different battles. And you're going to be doing that by acquiring cards that are going to give you different chips to put in your bag. Because at the end of the day, this is a pulling chips out of your bag game, a little bit of push your luck. And you're trying to basically win different um, area control of these five or six different battles. I forget how many there are to try to score a bunch of points. Uh, every round has two phases. You're going to move around a tea party to get some cards and get some tokens and do some other things. And then you're going to battle it out to the death. And uh, no. that's effectively the game, not to the death, but you know, till someone wins a battle and you're going to do it over three rounds. The cards get better as it goes on. Um, and yeah, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's the gist. It's super fun. We had the fancy deluxe stuff with awesome minis and co- cool bases that we know who actually belongs to what, which is nice now. Um, and it's fantastic. So my number six Wonderland's War. Yeah, I think I talked about that one last last podcast, but it is very good. Uh, my number six is a game we've already mentioned, but as I said before, I am more obsessed with it than Jason is, and that is Obsession. It is not from Stupid Downton Abbey. It is from Awesome Downton Abbey. Because you're maintaining, you are in charge of your estate. You're trying to get, revive your family's estate to get bring money into it to um, attract these wealthy, this wealthy young couple so that you can marry one of them, get back into society and you're manage you're you're working that upstairs while you're managing the downstairs, which is the name of the expansion upstairs downstairs in order to put on these different events um, like parties or you know games out on the lawn or a cabinet of curiosities. All these items that are occurring at your estate, they're actually building on and adding to your estate and um, you're having guests come and then also using your servants to help support those guests because they need, they need, some of them really need help. And that's what I love about this game. Like all, there's so many different, unique, there's all different people. Um, 
the theming is so great like to the point where there is a guest that lost his legs in the war so he needs two footmen (laughs) footmen to help him attend an event like that is just chef's kiss like i freaking love this um i wish it were a little bit easier to set up and i think it's just I don't know the setup well enough and I don't have it like put in the box or apparently Jason said he fixed that. It wasn't in a box in a way that I knew like, oh yeah, you have to take out one of these tiles and like the setup can be a little cumbersome, but once it's there, like I just get caught up in it. I love it so much. Um, My number six obsession. Yeah. The tile setup is fiddly. And another thing that's funny is a lot of the cards that are Americans, there's like American family members, they're negative points, which I think is kind of funny. Well, yeah, because no one likes those snotty, like crazy Americans. It's Britain for crying out loud. I know I don't. (sighs) (laughs) All right, so moving on. My number five is actually, let me look, my highest rated Steffenfeld game. And this is not a Steffenfeld only. It's a co-design, and I forget this other guy's name, sorry. But that is Merlin. And Merlin is effectively... The theme is Knight, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, all that deal. But this is effectively a dice placement game where you want a, a well, sort of. You're using dice to move these workers around these rondelles. And you're going to, whatever action you land on is the action, whatever space you land on is the action you get to take. And you're trying to get flags that are going to give you special abilities. You're trying to get um, building tiles so you can build these different, like, little buildings in this um, little territory that's going to give you some area control. You're trying to get shields to fight off baddies that are going to attack you. And uh, there's one other thing, but I can't remember. Um, and then if you want to play with the Arthur expansion, it's going to give you another rondelle. It's going to give you another character to move around to help you do even more stuff, fight off more people, collect more stuff. Uh, it It's so good. It actually has color. It has a, a cool theme, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of different ways to score points. And... It's fantastic. So my number five, Merlin. Yes, I. This is also my favorite fell, which is why it's also my number five, Merlin. Um, what I know, right? Crossover. We have played this one quite a bit. Um, obviously, it's just it is really good. Um, we don't have the Morgana expansion. That's the only thing we. No, don't we do. Have. We just we just got that. Oh yeah, we did just buy it. We haven't played we got it yet. That when we were out, yeah. I forgot that you actually went with my suggestion and got it um i'm i can't wait to play it because yes this game is so great again like i said my top my top 10 games multi-pass to victory jason loves to like lean heavy into the area control which sometimes i'll dabble in that but you can do in-game scoring there's lots of in-game scoring they're you know making getting these special artifacts and things that are points at the end. Just so many things that you can do. I also really love this theme. This is a, a, kind of one of my favorite theme of mine. Um, yeah. It's such a good game. Number five, Merlin. All right. Coming back to the Italians. Um, I don't actually have a ton of Italians on my list, I don't think. Oh, the shame. Uh, yeah, there's a decent amount, I guess. In my top 20, there's a lot. But... Oh, Um, My number four is The Voyages of Marco Polo. And this is such a good game. This is a dice placement game where you are using your dice to do a plethora of different things. You're trying to collect resources. You're trying to collect camels. And camels are going to help you move around the board to visit different locations to set up trading posts. So you can then use these locations by using dice later in the game. And you're just trying over the course of five rounds to get resources, fulfill contracts, move around to get to a couple different locations because you have some in-game goals for that. Trying to do all this stuff, not enough time, not enough money to do it, and be the best that you can. Normal Italians, Euro fair. That's kind of where we are. Uh, this It's so good. I love everything about this game. I played it a couple times last year on BGA, and it's so good. So my number four, The Voyages of Marco Polo. Yes, I think that was on my last segment. It was very good. Uh, my number four, I have no idea who designed it or anything. Um, I, re- I really don't. It's That's a father and son team, but I don't, I, Maltz, I think their last name's Maltz or something like that. Okay. I don't, I don't know who designed it. I don't know who published it. 
Um, there was a fancy new version that our best friends, um, <laughs> Jason's particularly best friends put out, um, which I really want. But we got the old and busted, and that's Rococo. Uh, this game, it's like there's a light deck building, which the deck is what lets you take choose your actions. And then you're doing like, hand management i guess i would say i mean you're collecting resources so that you can make different like coats dresses um you might need some lace for them and some thread and then you can sell those to get money or you can put them on display in the castle you can also um buy some decorations hire some musicians set up some fireworks just all these different ways again to make points and that's what i love about it i think the theme is fun um i'm glad they didn't change the theme when they redid this the eagle griffin version is very pretty i um there's a couple expansions that i would love to have that we don't but i know they're very hard to find um i think they're included in the new one aren't they yeah i think so um so that's kind of a grail game look but just just the base game is so good um so my number four rococo so there was like a 2.0 version of this called like cookie master or something similar game but it was a cookie themed game and it was on kickstarter and it didn't it didn't uh fund so i don't know what happened there but if you're not Mm -hmm. into the fashion theme maybe you'll want the cookie theme it's a little bit more streamlined too they remove some of the things and make it a little simpler um, so maybe that's your jam. But either way, yeah, this is a good game. My number three, highest rated Lacerda game, and it is The Gallerist. This is my favorite one by far. It's the most accessible by theme-wise. It's about running and um, running art galleries, finding artists, all that kind of thing. And it's the easiest one to play, I think. It's a simple, well, not simple, but you're going to a space. When you go to a space, you have a couple actions you can take. And the actions are a lot simpler than some of the others, but they all kind of flow together pretty well. You're going to be um, discovering some artists. You're going to be buying their paintings. You're going to be selling their paintings, showing them off in the studio, um, getting some of your workers out on the board. So if somebody comes to a location where your worker is, they can bump you and you get to do some extra actions. There's still a lot going on. It's not light by any means, but when it comes to teaching it, I know this one the best. So this is the easiest one for me to teach. And I don't, hate to teach as much so part of that makes me want to like it better than the other ones just because i'll have a more opportunity to get it played so there we go my number three the gallerist i do like the gallerist i think it's my favorite lacerda i'm pretty sure i'm not sure where it is maybe in my top 20 can't remember uh my number three i believe is new definitely new to my top 10 um is it is it just an is it wasn't it new to us this past year yeah i think we yeah last year i think we got it yeah yeah oh man uh my number three is woodcraft i are some of the italians on this i don't know who this is this might be tashini or something i don't know i'm gonna look it up i don't either um this game gosh i love no it's uh vladimir Succi. Oh, Suchi. Okay. So in this game, you have um, like a workshop, I guess. A wood shop workshop. Does that sound right? Uh, So you are drafting different types of wood and also like things you need to make. It's like, I don't know, resource management contract fulfillment. Yeah, What's for the most part, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, collecting different types of wood, also glue, different things that you need to put the this different the different types of wood together to make these wooden things, like bookshelves and toys and stuff. Um, in order to score points, you also are upgrading your workshop so you can do a better job. But the, that there's also points that way. Um, you can get points by having like tools in your attic. You could, I mean, again, multiple paths to victory and like utilizing your turn because you are choosing what your action is off of this rondelle. Um, and then you're 
dice are the different different pips give you your value of the different types of wood that you have. Like, oh, this is this game. Like, it it scratches so many itches that I have about playing a game. Um, I think some people find it really intimidating and complex. And I think the first time you play it, it's like, oh, there's a lot of rules and things that you have to remember. And maybe it needs a player aid or something. I could make one, but it definitely needs a player aid for sure. I love this game. I love this game. So my number three woodcraft. Yeah, it's a good one. The teach does suck. The teach is awful on this for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, my number two, I, I think I like this game more than everybody, but I don't know. It it just hits everything that I like, and it's just nothing but tracks. And you all know how I feel about tracks. And this is Tapestry. I've played this a couple times in real life this year. Well, last year. I'll go by last year. And lots of times on Board Game Arena, and every single time I love it more and more and more. You are basically just taking an action, moving up on a track, getting all the goodies that that track throws at you. And you're trying to basically score as many points as you can in whatever way you want. There's four tracks if you're playing the base game and a couple of the expansions. There's five tracks if you're using a different expansion. And you're trying to collect these minis. You're going to put them on your player board in front of you to cover up areas to get resources. You're trying to remove stuff from your player, your other player board to make your income better. And you're just trying to be as efficient as you can, do as much fun stuff as you can to get the most points. It's so good. It's just moving up on tracks. That's the whole entire game. Moving on tracks, getting goodies, and I love it. Um, it's my, it's the best Stonemaier game in my opinion, hands down, and I enjoy it. So my number two, Tapestry. I mean, I like this game just not as well as you. Uh, my number two is a game that has long been one of my favorites. It was my number one for a while. I believe it's unchanged from last year, and that's Grand Austria Hotel. Gosh, this game is awesome. And I still haven't played the Let's Waltz expansion, which I can't believe. That's very sad. But um, Great Austria Hotel, you have a hotel. And you are uh, you have guests that are also you also have a cafe in front of your hotel. So you're going to try to uh, feed your guests. You're also going to get them into rooms. Each guest wants different colors of rooms. They want different kinds of food. We've got upgraded bits for this. Um, you're trying, you've got employees that you're employing and all this is done through, there's a dice roll at the beginning of the round. Um, the dice are then grouped by number. The amount of dice per number indicates the strength of the action, um, that you're going to take. And then as each person takes an action, the dice number dwindles. Um, oh my gosh. It's just, again, multiple paths to victory. You can lean heavy into those employees and get some really great points there. They give you really great bonuses. Um, getting certain configurations for bonuses of the different rooms that you have. Um, you can get bonuses from and like points from clients. You can, uh, you also want to make sure like they come, like uh, there's a track, I don't know who it is, the state or whatever, comes around and checks on you, um, slaps you around if you're not in their good graces enough. <laughs> I, I, I just want to play it right now. It's so, so good. Um, my number two, Grand Austria Hotel. Yeah, that was a good one. I think that, that was some, on mine last week, I think. I think so. Um, so my number one, now, probably controversial, and that's fine. I've realized that my tastes kind of go with what I'm playing at the time, and when I'm making this list, recency bias. So let's go with that. <laughs> so uh, my number one is actually a game that we have an older version of that I think the art is really fantastic, and it's called Iki. And there is a new version of this. Uh, either one, they play basically the same. They just look different. Uh, and this is a game about running market stalls and trying to move workers, move people around to visit these market stalls to collect a bunch of stuff, um, build different buildings to score points. Uh, you're trying to collect sets of fish. You're trying to get pipes and tobacco. You're trying to um, build more market stalls to score more points. You're trying to defend yourself against fire because every so often a fire will break out, burn up some market stalls. If you're not good at fighting the fire, you're going to burn up your stalls and you're going to be 
less opportunities to score points. It's really good. It's super fun. Um, the old version, my only issue is it could use a player aid. It doesn't have a player aid, which is kind of a letdown, but the new version does. So there you go. Uh, so this is a fantastic game. If you're into the Asian theme, you're into um, collecting stuff, setting up stalls, trying to age up your workers, this is definitely a good game. So my number one, Iki. Yeah, I think that was on um, my last week or last episode's uh, list. My number one was my number one last year. It might have been the year before. I don't think we played this last year. No, I think we did. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, we, yeah. I think I did at least once. Yes, yeah, yes. I, I think we played it once. Yeah. Um, Grand Austria does scratch so many of my favorite itches, as well as Woodcraft. I mean, all these top ten. But to me, Coinbra. Coinbra does everything I want a game to do. You get this really great kind of like auction that happens to get cards. Um, and then there's just different types of cards. So some give you like immediate rewards. Some are going to help you at end game. Some are going to give you recurring rewards each round. Like freaking, I just love that. You can move, there's also a place to move around this um, board like you're traveling and get bonuses there as you place your disc down you're also then going to use those dice and move up tracks and the tracks are going to give you points and then you want to race on those because you get points for those like just points coming out your ears all different kinds of ways you can buy into in-game goals i mean ugh, ugh. i recommend this game so much this is um like a, a pretty solid mid-weight euro um, it looks, I love the art style on this. I love the colors used. It's just so fun. So, so fun. My number one, Coinbra. Yep, there we go. There you have it, our top 10. Are we going to count them down? Is that what we've been doing? Yeah, that sounds good. I don't know if that's what we've been doing, but sure, we can do it right now. Let's just do a recap of our top 10 games of all time. All right, my number 10 is Rec Raiders. Number nine is Vinos. Number eight is Orleon. Number seven is Obsession. Number six is Wonderland's War. Number five is Merlin. Number four, The Voyages of Marco Polo. Number three, The Gallerist. Number two, Tapestry. And number one, Iki. My number 10, Merchants of the Dark Road. Nine, London. Eight, Hadara. Seven, Newton. Six, Obsession. Five, Also Merlin. Four, Mer rococo not morocco <laughs> rococo three woodcraft two grand austria and my number one game of all time for at least the second year running coinbra all right if you've been playing along if you've hung in there this long i want your top 10 games tell us in our socials i mean we got like a discord channel you could comment on the youtube video you can send it on the hashtag the riveted facebook group you can put it in a facebook message you can put it in um i don't know send it by pastor pigeon whatever we'll get that too i guess i would just get ready to say that stop it but yeah, uh, I'd love to hear what your top 10 games are. Um, I'd also love to hear what you think of our top 10. I'm sure there weren't any surprises if you've ever listened to us for like a few episodes. Um, but are there some that you haven't played yet? Are there some that you're interested in? We had a few new ones slip in this year. Um, so we love to hear about it. We love to talk about games. Also, we got to find some new topics now for the podcast. So you are welcome to suggest. Yeah, one thing we should probably do is our favorite games from last year. That would probably be a good one. Yeah, except I don't know when any games come out, so. I'll curate the list and I'll send it to you. There you go. Mm, you're the best. I'm just good at searching on BGG and you're not. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> but I don't even have a BGG account because I like to make it difficult for people to add me on their gameplays. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I'm kind of glad the top 100 is over, but I'm not because then we got to actually start thinking about stuff to do. But it'll be fine. It'll be good. It'll be all right. We'll be all right. It does remind me of like, yeah, these are some games we need to get to the table because I love them so much. So let's let's start working on that list. 
Right. Yeah. I think I want to start when I have to bring games. I want to start grabbing games for my top 20, depending on the group, depending on the group. That's true. That does make it hard because a lot of our top 20 games are pretty heavy games or at least much more in-depth games. So definitely not for newbies, which we happen to play with those quite a bit. Okay. Well, that was our top 100. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.